Hello and welcome back, Sprinkles. We've missed you. We were off for a week with the holidays and we had kids graduate and a house full of five of our kids and three grandkids and uh, Michelle is off enjoying her new grandbaby. So today, Don and I are going to talk about perspective and what it means and how it allows us to view things in our lives and not view things in our lives. Um, and with that, I've been told lots of times in life by many people that, um, there's a saying called perception is reality. And, um, when I looked this up, I, and you dive into definitions of the two words, perception and reality, um, actually perception excludes reality, um, Perception is a way of understanding and just the way that you view things. And reality is the state of things that are actually in existence. Um, With that being said, I feel like perception is ever evolving. Um, As we age, as we have different life experiences, our perception can change. Um, I feel like starting off in childhood you have a different perspective than say, for instance, I have today at 47. Well, yeah, sure. Go in first. You got to talk about how did this conversation come up real simple? Mm. What was it? I don't know. What did, what did we, we talk about it all the time. So we had, uh, we were hearing some kids playing around, which, you know, of course we have kids ourselves and, uh, we heard them, it was, it was getting pretty loud. They were, you know, yelling and it was getting beyond just, you know, kids talking or something like that. And it was getting no, really it's, loud. it's not, it's, it's, it's fuck mother fuck. Where the fuck's my phone? Like it's all coming from like over at the playground and, and the pool over here where we live. And when you're trying to sit and have some peace on the back porch, it, uh, at first, it's really annoying. Sure. But at that time they weren't cussing or anything. They were just yelling around and playing. Right. So the point was, is that it was a matter of perception because we kind of discussed it for a second there. And then you looked around and you thought, well, you know, I was a kid once. And then immediately you went from, oh, it's just, you know, being an annoyance of kids making sounds to, oh, it's kids having fun. And it was like, it's the same noise. Nothing had really changed, but in a split second, you went from, you know, being upset about kids to, oh, it's just kids having fun. And it was kind of reminiscent of your childhood. Yeah. And so that's the difference is when you're looking at perspective and, and having, you know, a perception of an, of an event such as kids playing or something in one moment, it sounds like it's annoying. And then the next moment it's kids having fun and it almost takes you back to your own childhood. So it's just a matter of perspective when you look at it and you kind of realize the same thing about yourself. And so we had this discussion and, and so, you know, you got to understand that when we're having a talk and it's like, you know, we should probably have this top topic, uh, when we, uh, discuss this, we should probably record this because there's a lot of things that are coming on this because nine times out of 10, you and I have pretty, you know, different 
perceptions of, about these types of events. And so there was a lot that came into it as we kind of discussed, right? So you were talking about per- perception is reality. And I was thinking of, you know, when was the moment that I've heard that or in what context have I heard, you know, that phrase being used? So the most common type or, or common situation that I've heard that phrase being used is like, um, you know, putting yourself in a situation that you probably shouldn't like, uh, you know, let's say going to a copy room with a female coworker or something, you know, I've always heard it in terms of a job and, and doing something, you know, that you probably shouldn't because people are going to have a certain perception about it. And that is what the reality is. So, you know, let's say you're in an office kind of setting or something like that, and you go with a female coworker into a secluded area, then the idea that people are going to talk about it and they're going to see something that, oh, hey, that must have been some type of, you know, rendezvous going on in the copy area or whatever closed off area that is. Right. Because it's based off of their life experiences and the way that they view things. Sure. And and then that's the that's the usual way that that phrase is being used is when people say, oh, well, perception is reality. And, and that, you know, because everybody sees it, you're going to be judged as if it happened. You know, it could be perfectly innocent that you went off to this copy room with somebody, but because everybody saw it and it, it was a it was a, a closed door kind of a thing because people don't know that's going to be the reality. That's going to be the story. But let's talk about that based on like whether what, what your gender is. You're talking about a male and a female, okay. right? Yeah. So let's let's take it back to that, because as a woman, um, what I can say is that um, I've I've personally been labeled by men and other women um, as being difficult or rude because um, you, yes, you me. being difficult and rude. Yes, because yeah. of my values and intuition and limits. And, you know, I, I have broken cycles for my children and women in general. Um, and, you know, that... It's, it starts way, way back. Um, it, you know, in childhood, like say for instance, like, um, females, they're conditioned from a young age to focus on not what they're comfortable with, but making everyone else around them feel comfortable. And I don't know as if like, you know, you as a child, if, if that ever happened to you, if it's the same for males. Elaborate. Give me, give me an example. Okay. So, um, like, did your parents, um, ever say, Oh, don't do that. You're going to upset someone or don't be difficult or why are you being so dramatic or don't make daddy mad or hug your uncle or he's going to feel bad or be a good girl or boy for me or come back when you're not angry. Yeah. I mean, to an extent, sure, we, we have that. Now, some of the things that, you know, like I'm thinking about the old adage about, or, you know, I don't know if it's an adage, but at least a meme, like, you know, 
oh, give go give, you know, fill in the blank relative a kiss or something. They're going to feel bad or, you know, go give your somebody or other a hug or a kiss. Yeah, yeah, that happens a lot. Yeah, well, that that actually begins patterns of fawning and and to appease others. Um, even when you feel, you know, discomfort or anger about the situation, we're told to stifle that. And that for me, when I was young, changed my perception, um, on the world. Like I felt I, it wasn't anything about me. I felt like I had to keep the peace and, uh, make everyone around me happy and that I didn't, what I personally wanted didn't really matter. So therefore my perception was that I wasn't doing what I was supposed to do in the world or as a human, if I wasn't pleasing everyone around me. Oh, well, sure. You know, that's so, okay. You know, I have to go into the, uh, I have to hit the religion thing for just a second because that goes into the whole turn the other cheek kind of mentality right? where, you know, I've been felt like I was wrong and that the expected response from me was to just turn the other cheek. Right. And not to take matters in my own hands or, you know, to be upset about the whole situation that if somebody offended me, that I was essentially or quite literally told to, you know, just turn the other cheek and let them slap the other side of my face. Right. Which, you know, with our kids, I I have never expected them to do that. No. And I think that's, you know, that's where we were looking at it, you know, through that other lens of that's, that's not, we weren't safe in those moments. I mean, mine goes back to where I was told, oh, just go walk your grandpa's dog. Oh, just go sit on grandpa's lap. All the while he's molesting me. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, so that to me was like, um, I never wanted my children to feel, um, to feel unsafe or uncomfortable. Yeah, I get it. So... I went from that perception of I need to please everyone around me to when I had kids to I don't want my kids to feel like they have to please everyone around them. Well, no, it's just like it's just like we told our youngest daughter the other day um, when she's talking about a friend of ours or her one of her friend's mom who was criticizing the way she dressed. And, you know, we were trying to discuss how we were going to deal with it and, you know, should we allow her to go over there knowing that, you know, our daughter is pretty much, you know, I mean, she's 18 at this point. Well, so she just, the, our, our youngest just turned 18 just on turned 18. June 3rd. So, yeah. But even before then, June 2nd, we would essentially oh let them wear anything they wanted to as long as it was within reason. Right. Um, and if you're going over to somebody's house, then I'm not exactly sure what's inappropriate necessarily unless it's, you know, pornographic or something. I mean, yeah, um, like we're not sending our daughter out in pasties in a thong. Well, like. no, exactly. <laughs> and and so my point was is that, you know, we we uh, sat there and we, you know, talked to her. And, and actually you and I were talking about it uh, with her just ourselves first. And, you know, we said, you know, I don't really care if she just 
tells this bitch to fuck off. I really don't. I don't I don't really care if she's going to lay judgment on my kid. I don't expect her to turn the other cheek. I've never raised my kids to be that way because it's extremely flawed. Yes. I want them to stand up for themselves. I don't yes. want them to feel like they're allowed to be, you know, the target for banter and humiliation and and whatever and some kind of religious shame because they're not allowed to speak up for themselves. I want them to speak right. up for themselves. Well, and, and where we, where we get this wrong is with perception is that uh, society anymore though, like what we've taught our kids is that clear boundaries are now labeled as being drama or rude or basically socially unacceptable. Yeah, for sure. Remember the article that you were talking about uh, just the other day when we we had we were discussing that you know oh it's it's not my it's not the world's uh responsibility to watch out for you my triggers or something your yes. triggers it's not yeah. it's not the world's responsibilities to tiptoe around your triggers <laughs> <laughs> that that's a whole nother podcast in itself whole, but no whole nother podcast. but no but i get that but that's the thing is that 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 your perception is ever evolving and i think when you have different situations having kids you know i ju we just talked about that that you know to bring this back is that you know our perception for us as personal people definitely changed when we had children yeah oh absolutely and and so that i mean that definitely brings into you know where we see it from a different we see things from a different perspective. I mean, quite literally, you know, let's, we can realize, see it through our children's eyes because we can, yeah. we can understand that we were those children before and how uncomfortable and unsafe we felt in certain situations. And we never wanted our kids to feel that way. It, it's, it sounds stupid, but we, we've, we've got to go to the very beginning of what this means when you say, Oh, we got to change our perspective or whatever. Well, quite literally, you know, I think it's ever evolving. I, well, it's, well, it is. But what I'm saying is let's look at it in the literal term for a minute real quick. Let's say you're up in your room and you see something scary and it's a shadow on the wall. I mean, we all can relate to that. You can be six to 10 years old and sitting there looking at something across the room and it's some shadow that looks freaky and scary. But as soon as you shift for a second, you realize that, you know, it's the shadow that's cast by the tree outside or it's, it's, it's the uh, something that you have hanging in your closet or it's a coat that's hanging over the top of a chair and the, that's what you're seeing. And as soon as you change your perspective, you quite literally move from one place to the other. You realize that it's not as scary or it's not as bad as it really seemed when you were in that position. So that's what it means to change your perspective is to change the angle at which you view something For so that sure. you can see it in a different way. And I was reading in psychology today and there's this paragraph and it specifically says that perception is not reality, but admittedly perception can become a person's reality. There is a difference because perception has the potential influence on how we look at reality. And to me that put it in perspective. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that that's true. It, I it mean, it, it really so, you know, is is perspective is, per, you know, that is that reality? No, but it can change the way that you, you know, look at reality. Um, like, say, for instance, let me let me take you here. Okay. Um, you met me. You had no kids. You were 28 years old. By then, you're pretty set in your ways. Nah. Yes, you were. No. <laughs> You're laughing. No. 
Don and I came from completely different political backgrounds, religious backgrounds. Like when it came to that stuff, we were like polar opposite. But so if you're saying that I was set in my ways, that means I have not changed from that. No, point you have now. changed. But at that Thank point, you very much. no, Thank but you at much. that point, I win. Okay, but at that ahead. point, you were like you had your own ideologies. You that you, worked for me at the time. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yes. And, you know, um, just proof that it's, that it's ever evolving is that, you know, um, we were both polar opposites when it, when it came to different views and stuff like that. But when we weren't that opposite, no, we had a lot in common too. Um, same car, same bedroom furniture, same washer dryer, like, okay, lots of weird things. It was just really weird. But that being said, even with my children before you and I had children, you yeah. had different views on how situations should go um, until you got into that situation where you were act, you know, you were a parent, you kind of change with that. Yeah. That sounds like I'm extremely intelligent. Thank you very much. You're sure. welcome. I You're adapted welcome. to the situation. You did. But the thing is, is that I had a set of, I, so I, and I'm not meaning to be, but Yes, I had an an idea of how things should work. Right. Based off of what I perceived the situation to be. Right. But as soon as I got into that situation and realized that whatever preconceived notions I had about parenting, parenting children, being involved in yeah, that that kind of goes out the window and I adapted and overcame. Okay. Yeah. And, and here's another situation. You were very career oriented. Um, you're literally the best way I can say it as an outsider. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, is that your career was your life. And let's see, three years into, or four years into our relationship, you became injured and your career was no longer correct. What do you feel like that did with your perception? Certainly changes what's, what's important to you. Yes. And, and more than that, you decide what's going to be important to you in life. And so Yes, at that time, that that's kind of what defined me, right? And you know, so when when we met, I had an idea about who I was, and it was based around your career. Yeah, but I I don't think that that's I don't think that that's very different from no from a lot of men. No, it's that, not. That's pretty common. It's not. But I'm I'm getting to the point here. Go <laughs> go with me here. Okay. Um, so basically when you have an injury like yours, you had two 12 inch titanium rods put in your back. You were active duty Navy. Um, it changes your whole life. Yeah, and when I, was, it changes, I was a lifer. Yeah. And, and it changes your whole life. And, and with that change comes a change of perception on what your life actually is. Yeah. For all my shipmates out there, I was a lifer. Definitely. Well, and the same thing happened to me two years after you had your rods yeah. put in your back. I had two brain surgeries. And I was very set in my ways when it came to religion. We can all remember this. I had the, you uh, know, you know, with my religion and I, stuff I like that. You. you did do it for me. Um, but that all changed after that. 
um, because I was very judgmental with, of people. Um, I perceived people that weren't within my religion to be, do I really want to say this? Say it. I perceived people that were in my religion as a threat or toxic. Why? Uh, just because that's what was taught to me is that it's almost like, like a festering sore that you allow into your life. So I, I knew that actually, like um, to some extent, you know, this is funny because this is totally fresh. We've never really even we've had, never even we've talked never about even this. had this conversation. We've been, we've been together for 19 years now, by the way, 19 years, 19 years. And we, and we haven't, we, I mean, we know these things, but it's just something that's not usually discussed. But I, at that I point, I hugged her the other day and I said, 19 years, you think it's, did you think back then that I'd still be around? She's like, yeah, no, not at all. Well, and that's, but when you have these, it, it, they're life altering events, your perception changes. And with the life altering, Donna's pouring wine. Pouring wine. And with that life, with the life altering events, your perception does change. After I had my brain surgeries and to me, it was before I had those surgeries, it was, I didn't know what was going to happen. I have a rare condition. I didn't know if I was going to be right again. I didn't know anything at that point. And it came to me, why am I tearing up? Okay. It came to me that who gives a shit what religion you are, what political affiliation you are like, just love people because life's short. And little did I know then that my oldest son was gay. Um, I never looked at my kids that were half Hispanic as different, but they are. And, and with that came eye opening realizations and, and looking at them from and hearing their perspective on how they felt the world viewed them. Yeah. And it was no longer my perspective of, you know, oh, you can't be this sexuality. And, you know, just because you're brown doesn't mean you're going to be treated any different. But when I allowed myself and I stepped back from those ideologies and, and that perspective that came with those ideologies, did I understand more that's the only way i can say it it was almost like an epiphany it was it, it was life-changing because it was like the the best way to explain it is that there's this dark veil lifted off of me after my brain surgeries now that being said it's gotten me into some situations too where i've opened myself up to people because I'm so forgiving and so loving and put myself into situations where I've really gotten hurt, but I can't focus on them. I have to focus on the good that came out of it. And that is not forcing the things on my kids and stuff like that, that was forced on me and allowing my children to be their own people and allowing myself to remove that veil so that I can see the world through their eyes. But that, I think that that's something that, 
And I don't think all people do that. I think it takes life altering or sometimes life changing circumstances for you to be able to see that. And I'm not judging anyone that is still in the situation no. that I'm in, but I just, I beg of people to not allow those things and to pull their self out of the situation to actually see from another's perspective. Well, a lot of times, you know, it's the whole social circumstance and everything around it is what keeps people into those situations. And so, yes. you know, at that same time that you, you know, we, you were with me, we went through some, some things. Uh, and at that same time that we're dealing with a lot of things that went on, you know, with you and your family and things that went on in your background, um, I had already to, to, you know, to a large degree had already got a lot of that stuff out of my life. Well, there was, there was some things and, and I want to go back to early in our relationship that was a huge debate and it was something that had changed my perspective. And this may sound stupid to some people, but can lights, do you remember my problem yeah, with can lights? And you thought I was a nutball. I mean, like, go ahead and explain that bit. Before, no, like you literally, until I told you what the problem was. No, no, no. You're not going to tell me that I thought you were a nutball. <laughs> well, I you said, kept okay. asking what the problem was. You, yeah, you were like, what is answer. the problem? What sure. is the problem? Okay. So let me tell the story. Don and I got married. We bought this house. It was our first house we bought together in Columbia, Missouri. It was a beautiful colonial. We loved it. We raised our kids there for the first what, five, six years. Yeah, that's about right. And uh, we we refurbished the whole house, literally from roof to windows to siding. The whole inside was completely redone. And Don really had this thing with recess lighting, a.k.a. can lights. Because there's a specific application for it. <laughs> and, and he's a tall guy. So, you know, let's put that into perspective. Ha, ha, ha. Um, that stuff hanging down from the ceiling for a six foot five guy, when you have ceilings that are, what were they? Eight foot, nine yeah, foot, maybe, maybe, you know, the, something hanging off of that is, you know, can be, you know, hazardous to him, not to most of us, but to him. And he, and I was like, no. And like, I kept throwing this like fit. It was almost like rageful exorcist type thing. I'm like, no, you're not putting those in my house. Like I'm like freaking it, out. It on was it. irrational. It was very irrational. Okay. And it was something at that point that my perspective of these lights was skewed because yeah, of, I didn't get it. I was like, come on, let's just put up some can lights in here in this hallway. And it'll be much better. Why do we have to put some fixture with these lights dangling down here? Well, and the thing was, is I finally had to come out to him and it took me years um, and we have recess lighting all over our house now, by the way, um, doesn't bother me, but it was something that I had to tell him, confide in him that was very, um, tragic and personal for me. Um, because when I was sexually abused, my focal point was a can light so that I could take myself away from what was actually happening and so when I told him these things, he was like, well, shit, you could have just told me that. And I wouldn't ever put can lights in. But at that moment, like it was something to me that was so, um, it, it was just, uh, 
well, it was, like he said, irrational. But when you put what I just said behind it, is it really irrational? It was just something that my perspective of that thing was only because of the experience that I had and not based off of the experiences of building a home with someone I love and my children. And, you know, I had some type of preconceived notion that, you know, waiting for the hammer to drop that I'm going to look at something, you know, have to focus on that again in my life because something horrible is going to happen. And I'm past that now. We have can lights, but it was something that was very hard for me to disclose to him, even as my husband at that point, we'd been married. Heck, I don't know. This can light thing had went on for years. <laughs> it, and, and I'm laughing at it now because I kind of have to because I look back and I'm like, my, lights, my perspective Come of on. this can light was like that it was like it, it was some type of like demonic entity or something, you know. And, you know, once I disclosed that to him, I, I actually moved past it. It was uh it, it was it, it was, was free. irrational until you provided me with additional information. It was freeing. Um and then it, it made sense. We'll be right back after we take a break and get us a refreshment. Sorry about that. We had to take a break there. It's a, I needed another Cayman Jack's margarita. All that can light talk. Fucking can light. needed some margaritas. No, really. I don't mind them now. I really don't. They're actually very good lighting. Very vivid and bright. Yeah, definitely. They really are. So High efficiency. LED. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for that uh, public service announcement. Of course, if there was some company that wanted to pass out some money... And we'll talk about their lighting. Sure. Come on. Send them our way. I mean, for sure. But that's just another example about or how. margaritas. Stop it. Margaritas. Yeah. Those will change your perception. Put some different goggles on you for sure. <laughs> Cayman Jacks. Um, but. Whoa. What? <laughs> that's free. So <laughs> that's a freebie, Cayman. <laughs> um, that's just another example of life experiences and how they can change your perspective. So, so that goes back to the whole perspective thing. Yeah. Um, I think there's, there's a couple things I got to share about that. So there was a leadership conference that I went to when I was in the military. Right. And it was, uh, it was one of those eye opening kind of things. I mean, I, I had never thought about this in the past, but they did this experience with us where there's like almost 400 people in this whole convention center. And, uh, there was a guy, don't remember his name, came and talked to us. And, uh, he said, uh, I want, you know, I'm going to tell you this story. He said, and I want you to think about, I I want you to think about what's going on with this woman. And so he goes into this story about this duchess Mm -hmm. and this duchess who, uh, the Dutch, uh, or the Duke leaves her alone. And, uh, he says he's going to be gone for a few days. And so then there's this, uh, Duchess decides that she's going to leave the castle, but the Duke had told her not to leave the castle. Right. And she wants to go leave the castle and she tells the steward that she's going to leave. And, you know, he kind of steps aside and lets her kind of go. Cause what's he going to do? This is the Duchess telling her what, telling him what to do. Um, and she tells the doorman to open the door and let me out despite all the pleas by the Duke not to do this. Okay. So he lets her out 
And then the carriage driver uh, takes the Duchess, even though he's told not by the Duke not to do this. He takes her into the city, drops her off at this place. The policeman sees them in this strange part of the neighborhood and doesn't do anything, doesn't say anything. And she goes off and uh, she's goes through this alleyway and uh, then she's murdered. And and then we find out later on that the whole reason why she was going out was to visit her brother. Hmm. So part of the question was at the end of at the end of this was who is responsible for the Duchess death? And uh, almost immediately I was thinking, well, it sounds like, you know, the Duchess, right. She was, she was. And, you know, only like maybe five people in a group of 400 actually pointed in the murderer who is responsible for the Duchess's death. So just out of the basic experience that I told you about, right, there's, Mm -hmm. there's a number of people that are involved in this whole thing, this story about this Duchess who goes off and essentially she just leaves the castle of her controlling Duke husband. She leaves the castle and goes off into town to visit her brother and she stays overnight or whatever, something, and she's out after dark and gets killed in an alleyway. But she's responsible for her own death. Do you know what this reminds me of? Yeah, what? This may be a little too much to talk about, but this is this is reality. Is you hear about all these mass shootings and people's actions before that and all these people that have seen it, no one's reported it or it's not reported until after the fact. That's what this reminds me of. Because you had all these people that could have said something. You, you, there's not just one person. There's not just a doorman. There's the coach driver. There's, you know what I mean? There's all no, these true. people. And and so that to me tells me that it takes an army. But but the point is, is that it's the, the, it's, the trick is the, is the phrasing. When we say responsibility, who's responsible, who's responsible for the Dutch's death? Yes, you know, she made decisions that brought her ultimately to her death walking in an alley at night. Right. You know, it was definitely a poor decision. Right. But when you talk about culpability, like who should be tried for the murder of the Duchess? Oh, definitely then, the murder. Then definitely the murder themselves. But for when sure. we but but realize that we have a difference between culpability and responsibility. And and the whole point is of this whole exercise is at the end of the story, you know, before we find anything else out, uh, everybody has, you know, some post-it notes and they're supposed to write the name of who's responsible for the Duchess's death. And people put it on there and they pass it forward. And then uh, there's, you know, four people. And I'm telling you, there was like 400 people here in this auditorium that are listening to this story. And they're putting it all on a whiteboard to see who's responsible and who they say. And of course, there's some people, you know, like, you know, really BS answers about who's responsible for it and and just kind of for fun. And then there's other people that are saying, well, the Duke is responsible because he didn't adequately control his Duchess. And then it's the doorman that's responsible because he ultimately, that doorman was the one who let the Duchess out to, you know, to succumb to her own uh, decisions. And I, I couldn't understand at the time that why anybody would have believed it was anybody other than the Duchess herself. And when I was thinking about responsibility, I was thinking, you know, at the time that we didn't expect the murderer to do anything other than murder. 
Right. I, I don't. You know, when I'm no, thinking about sure. who a murderer is, that's what they do. Now, as far as responsibility, it's the Duchess who made a lot of mistakes. But when it comes to culpability, certainly it was the murderer there. But for the Duchess to put herself in a position that she could be controlled by a murderer or killed by them, you know, that was her f- own fault. And it and it took me that until the guy kind of stood up and was talking about it. And he said, do you realize that most of you have convicted the the victim, the victim themselves yes. rather than the person who murdered them? Yes. And, you know, I, I didn't really think about it at that time. And that was the whole point of the perspective. That was the whole point of the conference was yes. perspective. It's it's that I didn't see a another way going in. I couldn't understand why other people were putting other people at fault. You know, the people who took the 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 right. situation seriously. Right. Okay. I mean, it's a group of nineteen year olds at the time, so there was plenty of people who were still <laughs> high school bullshit. Okay, but for the people who took the the situation and the experience seriously and actually wrote down who they thought were responsible for it. I couldn't understand any other uh, any other outcome other than what I put on the on that post-it note. I couldn't understand why anybody else would write any other thing than what I did. And it wasn't until later that I found out that it was that story is uh, about the Duchess and a lot of the people around there. Now, I know I'm not giving it justice by doing it the right way, but I'm sure that if you look this thing up, there's probably, if you Google it, you could probably figure out the story about this Duchess, is that there were key elements in the story that triggers people's uh, importance and their values, and it depends on what people value most is, is what they're going to do, right? So for me, personal responsibility is a is a big key factor in my life right. is to have that personal responsibility. And so for people who have personal responsibility as one of their major uh, drivers or motivators in life, they will also pick the Duchess as being responsible for her own death. Not that it's right, but that's what we do because it's, it's a personal responsibility issue that she made choices that ultimately led to her demise. Right. Right. So the point is, is that I couldn't understand that at, at that time, but the whole point of that whole activity is to understand that people have different motivators in their life. And, and, and I don't even feel at that point that it was to understand that there was different endings in the story that were possible, right? but that people look at it in a different way. That's right. what I took away from it anyway. Wasn't just that people look at the story in a different way. It's, it's that the idea and the difference between responsibility and culpability for one but also that that the other people that were there that were listening to the same story as me had different opinions and everything based off of the perspectives and the values that they hold were much different from me. Right. And so from that, I took forward that, you know, this probably happens in, in all aspects of life. Oh, that sure. I see a situation that I don't necessarily understand or I don't understand why a person is feeling a way that they do. But there might be a reason for it. There might be something. Oh, for sure. And, and so, you know, I hate to say I, I, I'm not I'm not applauding my own maturity. OK, I, I have my immature moments, but I am willing to say that I have grown to the extent that I understand that my perspective is not, not the only one. Else's, right. And that there are other perfectly valid perspectives out there. 
that even though I don't understand them at right. the moment, right. I will respect because until I have a reason otherwise, that there there must be a reason for it. That there there could potentially be a reason out there why somebody feels the way they do, even though I don't understand it. Oh, one hundred percent. I I thoroughly agree, and that's why I try to pull myself out of my own life experiences and stuff and to, and especially, like I said, having children really, and, and my experiences that I've had life changer. Yeah. You know, having children, having my, you know, brain surgeries, near death experiences, my traumatic childhood, you know, I, I had to relearn things when I had my children on how I looked at things. Um, so I think that that's, that's part of evolving and that we're not always going to have the same perspective, just like we have can lights now. But, you know, part of that is, is that that's where I had to grow is that, you know, whenever I was a child, like, that's why I'm the opposite of what I am now. And some people think I'm kind of, and, and I am, I, I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm not, I'm not saying that other people think you're kind of what I'm getting to it. I'm not saying that their perspective is wrong because I am, but there's a reason why I am the way I am. Meaning that, you know, some people say, well, I'm drama or I'm, you know, this, that, or the other. And we've had that said here in the past, but it's not that I'm drama. It's that I drew firm boundaries because I wasn't allowed to do that. And that's what I wanted my kids always to do. Wow. This has gone full circle. It has. And, and I know that I'm in your face and I know that, I do not stifle myself anymore because I was forced in positions of, of patterns of fawning and to appease others as a child. And I refuse to do that anymore. And I don't have a lot of friends, but it's, but so seriously though, it's hard to overcome that programming, isn't it? It really is. Um, but what I realized is that my perception and other people's perception, you know, um, part of my perception and when I call right, right and wrong, wrong, because I had so many wrong things done to me in my life. If I see something that's wrong, i.e. a pervert looking at little girls or the, you know, same with you, this in the store this last week, when this little girl walks in and she's headed to her job for, you know, lifeguarding and she walks in with her little tank top cover on and she has, you know, a a group of how many of her men like stalking her in the store, like rights, right. And wrongs wrong. And I think that's where people don't get, you know, where we've came from. But what I have realized is that I don't need to explain that to people anymore either. (laughs) I've been telling you that for years. I know you have been, you but don't the thing have is, to give people an excuse. But the, no, and and it's not an excuse. No, and, no, and not I'm an just, excuse. You don't even have to justify anything. I've to just came to terms with that. Like if you're a perv and you're looking at little girls, then I'm not the problem. If I blow the whistle on that, and the people that think I'm the problem, yeah, that's the problem. Yeah, and I know that's the problem. Yeah, and I can't explain my perspective to those people that don't want to hear it. But that being said, again, but the but you realize that they don't have to understand it. No, exactly. No, and I get that. They don't have to understand understand it. 
and we'll go back to my previous episodes and they're not my fucking people. If they're interested in men that are perving on little girls, they can fuck off. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean that's the point is that's what I'm saying. If they want to, if they want to befriend those kind of people, then they can stay on their perspective end of the spectrum. So favorite answer of mine is that I will justify my reasoning to you if I feel the need to. Otherwise, if you are in a position that you need to listen to me and you need to do what it is I tell you to do, then I'm going to tell you to do something and you're just going to have to trust that my reasoning has already been through the possible explanations that that you're coming up oh, with. Oh, I, I agree. I'm telling you the answer. This is the answer. This is what we're doing. Now, if I have the time to explain to you how I came up with that, then I'll gladly do that. And but there's going to be plenty of times that I won't have the time. And to for me, it's that. not even the time. It's whether I genuinely care about you as a person or not. And my, my flaw is that I care about everyone. <laughs> I, I, don't I know. And I know you don't. And no, that's the difference between you and I is that I want to give people the option to understand or not to understand. And then at that point, if they don't understand, then that's fine too. But I feel like everybody deserves an explanation. And I know that you don't feel that way. And that's a difference in perspective. But I I feel like it, not only that, it's also a chance to educate and communicate with other people that don't have your same perspective and ideologies. I, I certainly think that that has its value at times. At times. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would like to think that, I would like to think that, you know, especially with our current political, political environment. Okay. Right. So I'm not going to go into politics too much. No, because we love all people. I do anyway. I'm not speaking for Don. I love all don't people. Don't speak for me. I love all people. I don't love all people. Don doesn't love all people. No, I, I don't. He loves his dogs more. I I do. <laughs> I I'm sorry, but I have a certain way that I feel like I am going to immediately dislike at least ninety five to ninety nine. But let me explain to our audience what the funny okay, part of this is. Go ahead. Is it Don? You're listening to him. Those are his own words. But people, their perception is that I'm that person. Yeah, it really is. Think about it. It really is. Don's like, I'm going to be real here and I love him. He's my husband, but he's the asshole. Out me. He he is. He'll be like, I'm an asshole. He is an asshole. He'll be like, well, then if they don't like it, they can fuck off. And I'm like, oh, but wait, let's talk to him. Let's, you know, tell him this. And he's like, what are you? You don't know anybody explaining. You don't need to tell anybody anything. And I'm like, but let me talk to him. And, and, you know, the funny thing is, is the outer world perceives it opposite because I'm a huge communicator and Don will just sit there and like, he is, don't get me wrong. He's a communicator and he communicates well and effectively. However, he is more of a listener and a watcher. Yeah. So we're completely opposite on that where I'm the talker. And and I'll admit I am a manipulator in the sense that I will sometimes say things and do things to just to see see what you do. Yeah. How you react. Of course. I mean, so that you can see what their thoughts and but perspectives most of the time, are on most things. Most of the time, I don't feel like 
other people need an explanation about what it is I'm doing. Excuse our dogs. There must be someone outside. Oh, someone lurking. Someone is lurking. Lurking. My gosh. But yeah, so I mean, that just goes to show you that like you just heard with his own words and the world, the outside world, I can tell you that where we live and everything perceives me to be who he is. But most of the time people see me as more as being more political. Now we're using political in a different term. But most of the time, like politically people, correct, like whenever you speak or yeah, something. Yeah, when whenever I'm with a group. Yes. I'm usually not in your face about. And I am. I am in your face. Yeah. And, you know, I guess that that just goes to show you that's part of my, you know, my things that have happened to me in life and my perspective. Like I'm, you know, I'm going to set firm boundaries. Um, No, you set firm boundaries, too. But I'm a small person. Like if people could see us right now, like I'm five foot three and a half. He's six, five. What did you say? I was that creature off of who was it? You come on. You're over there laughing. What? You said I was that creature of a Star Wars. Off of Star Wars? The little guy that's eating out. <laughs> eating out? Uh, <laughs> Who am I eating out? Jabba the Hutt's eyes. Is it his eyes or C-3PO? C-3PO's eyes, but yeah, yeah he's tied to, yeah. Well, understand when you have a five foot three, what is that term? Is it stature? Like whatever. Sure. Yeah. Like okay. that a lot of people don't take me seriously. Like I'm like this, I, I guess. So I kind of got to be a little, issue it too. is a perspective issue, but I'm a little gremlin. I will eat you alive. Like. I may be small, but I'm mighty and you're going to hear what I have to say. And it is, it's a perspective. Like people see me and they think they can run me over. And that's part of the reason but people see me and they know that they can. Exactly. But they see me and you're, it is, you're right. I it's a perception issue. And so I have to be in your face and I have to be loud and I have to be proud. I don't have to do it either. And I have to be fuck off sometimes. I don't have to do it either. Because I'm looked at as, oh, well, she's just a little whatever. I like I, I can run her over. give people fuck off vibes. Most of the time. And you know, I think that... Do you think that? Yeah. Most people find you unapproachable. Yes. Because you exactly. have like... You have a dick face. <laughs> I have a dick face? <laughs> what the fuck are you saying? I well, got a dick face? I mean, like people look at you and you're like, he's a fucking dick. He's a dick. Oh, no, God. you know what I mean? Not like a dick face. But <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's a perception. But that's the difference is like people perceive you like you're unapproachable or whatever. And they think that they can run me over. And I've always been that person because of my size and everything that people think that they can bully or manipulate. But I say that, but you know me, that's a difference where you're like, don't fuck with my wife. She's wild. Yeah. She's wild. I say that, but I mean, there I'm a bleeding heart, but I'm a damaged bleeding heart. I understand. But like, think for instance of like, look at you and look at me. My dad died when I was four years old. The only thing I've left of him is his 69 Camaro that we're refurbishing. Don and I have worked on it endlessly for the past 10 years. It's been, she's a bitch. Let's just say that. And I've put my hands in there and I know about this car. And we had a guy come up one day when we lived in Lawrence, Kansas, and he's asking Don about his car. And I piped in and I said, it's a 350 four bolt main and it's a TH 400 transmission. Do you know that he turned his fucking head away from me, looked at my husband and said, oh, so what do you got in it? Do you remember that? Yeah. And Don looked at him and said, it's her car and she knows what's in it. It's exactly what she told you. 
So I'm telling you that this is what I've gotten all my life is people perceive me to be some little idiot or something. Like, I, I have no well, idea. No. no I, like, no, I'm just assuming. Don't get me wrong. But the, but their perception is, is like, I lack knowledge. I'm small. <laughs> and whatever. Like, there's lots of, like, I've heard lots of people that, you know, they they perceive me as, as a pushover or lacking of something. And he looked because maybe because I'm a woman. I don't know. I'm just assuming I'm making assumptions here. But he looked directly at you and you looked at him and said, it's her car. She just told you. Because he looked at you after I told him exactly I, I guess. what he asked. So, again, it's you have to understand that I feel that people perceive me a certain way when they treat me a certain way. And most of the time I'm correct in that. So, so, okay. So that's a gender kind of issue. I mean, you know, on this topic of perspective, what that's a gender issue because I mean, of all the times that I've been there at your pageants and people are looking at your dresses and they were going, Oh, who sewed that and everything. My husband makes who my pageant it? dresses. I did it. Hashtag checkout nations of States. Christy Wishnack. She's a great director if you're ever interested in getting into pageantry. But yes, um, I was also not the pageantry how type. Com- how common is it, though, that a guy is going to be the one that's sewing the dresses? I mean, it's not common. I no, mean, but I did it. And, you know, that's the thing is that we we get these, you know, the way that we perceive things and people and and we really need to take ourselves outside of that. And, uh, kind of, you know, or, or kind of like where we're, let's, let's go back to the beginning here. I perceived some kids and was annoyed at first. And then I remembered, you know what? I was a kid once and I was screaming like I was being murdered on a playground. Like, it's okay. Like they're having a good time. And I used fuck as a noun verb adjective. Like I hear the teenagers over there screaming. Like I did that when I was away from my parents. Like they're just trying to figure out who they are. And I had to remind myself of that. And that's kind of where we're at is that. So the, so the number one takeaway. Yes. It, it sounds to me like what you're saying. The number one takeaway from all this is that even though we can't see what other people's perspective at are. At least listen to it and take it home. We can understand on that it. there's something different than right. what we have inside. And, and ruminate on it, chew on it, whatever you want to call it, like, but keep it there. Because you may not understand at that moment, but something may happen in your life at some point that you're going to understand that, then when we, we can that you're going to get it. Yeah. And I, I hope that it's nothing that is traumatic or, you know, anything else like that. Like, I don't wish my stuff in my life on anyone, but just take it, take it home with you. There's a lot of people that wouldn't understand what you've been through or understand your life choices. I agree. Yes. And I know that unless somehow they've been in your position and they'll, they'll never be in your position. No, nor what, like I said, nor would I wish them, you know, half of what I've been through on them. So I don't expect them to understand, but I expect them to, to keep it and, and remember it, like chew on it for a minute. That the possibility, again, what I'm saying is that the, the possibility exists that there is a way you could look at it. There is a perspective that you could potentially take that this would make sense somehow. If you had all the information, apparently you don't. Right. Right. And with that, that's our thoughts on perspective. And is it reality? Is it your reality? Is perception reality? 
I guess that's a question. <laughs>